Our next speaker is a Catholic priest, which is not unusual at a Catholic conference. We're not sure there is a regular path to the priesthood, but our speaker's journey started in a most unlikely way. He was a high school dropout. He was kicked out of a foreign country. He was institutionalized twice and thrown in jail multiple times. That all happened before his conversion to the Catholic faith and his eventual ordination in 2003. Father Donald Calloway is a convert to Catholicism and a member of the Congregation of Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. He has several academic degrees and is the author of 13 books. In January 2020, Father Calloway's newest book will be published, Consecration to St. Joseph. It will be the most comprehensive pro program of consecration to St. Joseph in the 2,000-year history of the church. We are glad he is with us this weekend. Please welcome Father Donald Calloway. All right, let's do this. I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. I got to get ready though. I got to get this thing off of me. I always have to carry this because I'm working on books. I'm working on like three books right now, and this has the manuscripts in them. So I always, you know, I don't trust leaving it in my hotel room. I don't know why. I'm paranoid. But um, there it is. Okay, let's pray a Hail Mary first, okay? Because we're going to talk about the rosary, which is like a lot of Hail Marys. But let's just do one so that this talk is anointed. And can you hear me okay? Oh, great. Okay, good. No. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Joseph, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you can't hear me? Some cannot hear me? All right, I don't want to shout, but I will if I need to. Okay. Um, so the first thing I want to mention before I get into the talk is what one of the um, people that introduced me said. I hope you caught it. I hope you caught what they said. It was at the very end. It said, my new book coming out in January is called Consecration to St. Joseph. Okay. Now, I've got 13 books out. I like them. I think they're good. But this new one is going to far surpass all of them. Because we need St. Joseph right now in a huge way in the church and in the world and in families and in the priesthood all over the place. So the book that I've, I've done, it's finished. I'm just waiting for commissioned artwork that I've got coming in. You need to find out about this, okay? We've got a few months left. Consecration to St. Joseph is the title of the book. Can't get any more simple than that. I beg you to follow the Facebook blog. If you're not on Facebook, God bless you, you're better off. But if you are, follow it. I put something there every day to keep the excitement going. And I've already got endorsements for it that are incredible, like Bishop Athanasius Schneider, who's like the, one of the best bishops in the world. If you don't know about that dude, find out about him. He's incredible. And a whole bunch of other endorsements. So go to the blog. I post something there every day. This is going to be huge. You will hear about it. I guarantee it. I've actually petitioned the Pope to declare a year of St. Joseph for the Universal Church because we've never had one right? We need this right now. So I'm going to tell you the blog and then I'll stop talking about that and get on to the topic of the talk. Consecration to St. Joseph with Father Calloway. Easy. Easy. 
Consecration to St. Joseph with Father Calloway. That's the Facebook blog. So go to that, please. Okay. The Rosary. Love the Rosary. Written like five books on the Rosary in the last several years, trying to get you know, more people involved in loving the rosary and praying the rosary. And uh, I think it's had a good effect. You know, a lot of people have read those books and like, Father, we're now praying the family rosary. Uh, and my husband is now praying the rosary. He's the one who's leading it. So praise God for the good fruits of that. I only have 45 minutes to give you guys a killer talk on the rosary. So what I'm not able to say, you've got to get the books you got to go to YouTube. They're free videos. Okay, i got a ton of videos on there you can, you can look at for free. Most of you, probably all of you, have a rosary in your pocket or your purse right now. Praise God. If you don't, shame on you. <laughs> Seriously, shame on you for not having one. I mean that in all love and compassion and tenderness, but shame on you. Okay? This thing is powerful. This thing is a gift from heaven. Now, you know, you see me holding mine, and mine's pretty sweet, actually. It's called the Warrior Rosary. It's actually a dagger. The crucifix is a little dagger. It's not sharp. I could sharpen it, I guess, but it, it's sweet. It's a sweet one. I like a manly rosary. You know, I don't, I don't need a pink rosary. That's the last thing I need is a priest with a pink rosary, you know. Mine's manly, okay? What you can't see, and I can't see either. You see me holding up my blessed beads, right? What I can't see and you can't see either, that what I'm really holding in my hand is a weapon, a sword, more powerful than any weapon you can imagine that any man could ever make and that anyone could ever hold, more powerful than the sword of Conan and any other warrior you could think of. God sees it. The saints see it. The devil sees it. And he fears it. This little string of beads has power. And it's a sword. Now, a lot of people might think, ooh, man, this dude's like militaristic. Holy moly, what have I gotten myself into? Too late to walk out now. That's right, because I'll watch. I'll see you walking out. <laughs> Who is this priest who's all militant? Well, don't take my word for it. It's not just Father Calloway saying this stuff. I'll give you a little history of this and explain it to you of why it's a weapon in the spiritual life. But let me give you a real recent one. Like four years ago now? No, 2004. So that'd be five years ago. There's a bishop. In Nigeria, dude is still alive. Bishop Oliver Doeme is his name. You can watch his YouTube videos as well. That guy in Nigeria, as you know, there's a lot of crazy evil groups from Islam called Boko Haram and a whole bunch of other ones who are doing horrible things to people. Killing Christians, kidnapping little girls, doing horrible, horrible, horrific things. Well, in his area, five years ago, it was really bad. They kidnapped 700 girls. You may have remember that. It was all over the news. Well, this bishop, he didn't know what to do. He went to prayer in his chapel before the Blessed Sacrament, praying the rosary, and guess what happened? This is not Father Calloway saying that this is a bishop still living today and gives testimony to this. Jesus appeared to this bishop right in front of him. Guess what Jesus, our Jesus, the Jesus that you and I love and adore and worship, Guess what Jesus had in his hands? A sword. Whoa. Personally, I think that's awesome, right? But Jesus wanted to give his bishop a lesson. Jesus is not Conan. Jesus is not, you know, a warrior in that sense, wanting bloodshed. No, that's not what our Lord was intending. He had a sword, and he didn't say anything. But he held out the sword to the bishop in a gesture of take it. So when the bishop reached out his hand and touched the sword, guess what happened? 
It was mystically transformed into a rosary. See, Jesus is telling us that this is serious. This has power. And then Jesus spoke to his bishop three times and said, Boko Haram is gone. Boko Haram is gone. Boko Haram is gone. The bishop says he didn't need a prophet to tell him what Jesus meant by that, that he's meant to pray this. So that bishop started rosary crusades in his area, in his diocese in Nigeria. Do you know what happened shortly after that? Almost all those girls were returned from the, the Islamic militants and they turned in their guns. I mean, nobody could believe this. And then the president of Nigeria went on the, the, the radio and said that in that particular area, for some reason, Boko Haram was almost defeated. And people are like, how on earth did that happen? Durr! It's a no-brainer. When you unsheathe your sword, Satan flees. See, Satan is a dragon. Who slays a dragon without a sword? Nobody. Everybody knows that we have songs about this. We have movies about this. We got video games about this. When I was a little kid, everybody knew to slay that dragon in Mario Brothers, you got to have a weapon. You ain't going in there with a flaming dragon with a flower. Okay? You need a weapon. That's what Jesus is telling us, even today. But let me back up to tell you a little bit of the story of it and the wonders of this gift. See, today, you know, and maybe you do here in Wichita, which I think is cool, you know, I'm a priest who actually likes guns and hunting and all that kind of stuff. Some of you might be concealed carry, right? Sweet. I think it's awesome. But you got a greater concealed carry right here. You don't have have to have a license. You can have this one in your front pocket, back pocket, in your sock. You know, it don't matter. Everywhere you can have this weapon. And this thing, by its very presence, has the power to repel evil because Satan knows what it is. So, 800 years ago, there was a woman who was pregnant in Spain. Now her name is Blessed uh, Jane, Blessed Juana. And she had a dream, some say a vision, whatever. And she saw herself giving birth to a dog. What? I mean, was she drinking? No, she wasn't. That's a crazy vision, right? What, what is that? Well, it was symbolic. She saw her, a dog leaping from her womb with a torch in its mouth, racing throughout the world, setting the whole world on fire. She didn't know what that meant. Months later, she had her baby, and she named her boy Dominic. Okay? That little boy grew up, and he became a priest, like a normal diocesan priest kind of. And then he was on fire for truth, and he was eloquent. He could speak very well. He was living in France at this point, and there were heretics people promoting falsehoods, slamming Christianity and its sacred mysteries. He went out into the streets to try and get them back. But he wasn't bearing a lot of fruit. He was pretty bummed. So he went on a retreat in a field in France and asked heaven for help. And that's when tradition says, not a legend, not a myth, not a fairy tale, that so makes me upset when people say that this stuff is a legend. It's not a legend. It's a legend because you, because you don't know Jesus Christ. It's tradition that our lady came to St. Dominic and gave him a weapon to use. See, I love this because I meet a lot of dudes today and they're like, eh, the rosary, it's for my wife and nuns in a convent. You loser! (laughs) The first person that the rosary was given to was not a woman or a nun. It was a dude. You should be the one carrying the weapon. You should be the one unsheathing this blade of power to defend your family, to defend the church. 
tell me this, that it's for women and, and, and nuns in a convent. You don't know. She gave it to this man and she said to him, preach it. And he did. And he went out and St. Dominic won so many souls back to God. Oh my goodness, so many souls. And you know what they started to call his order, the Dominicans? Because that, you know, they were named after him. Order of Preachers is their official name, but they called them Dominicans. And they, they, they called them the dogs of God. Because in Latin, it's Domini Canis. That's the root of it. Dogs of God. Because they sniff out heresy and they exterminate it. That's what the Dominicans do. The good ones anyway. So that's what he was doing. It was incredible. It was incredible. But who didn't like this idea? Who would be afraid of the sword being unsheathed and given to the world and basically turning every home into a small church where people could pray at home on this, about the sacred mysteries? Satan. He wasn't thrilled that a weapon had been given to the world that could decapitate his seven ugly heads. So what did he do? He went after it. Less than a century after St. Dominic gave us the rosary, the Black Plague hit Europe. Do you know how many people died during the Black Plague? One-third of the population of Europe, dead. I mean, I'm not making this up. I'm not saying this for dramatic effect. That happened. We're talking millions and millions of people dead. So people weren't thinking about devotional things. They were worried about survival. And actually, they, they had to burn places, convents, monasteries, because they were housing the sick. They were infested with the plague. And almost all documentary evidence associated with the foundation of this was burned. Satan always tries to do that. When there's a new form of devotion given to the world, he tries to burn the documentation. I could give you story after story of how this has happened. One of the most recent is uh, with St. Faustina, right? When the, uh, a new form of devotion was given to the world on rosary beads, the chaplet, what did Satan do? He tricked Faustina into burning the first version of her diary. The version that you read is version number two. I hope you know that. She burned the first one because Satan tricked her into burning it. That's what he does. He wants to destroy these things that will change lives. So, so many people died during the Black Plague and people forgot about the rosary. But then after the plague was gone, all these renewal movements started in the church. It was called the Observant Reform Movement. And you had Franciscans who were on fire again. And you had uh, a whole bunch of other orders. You had Carthusians who came up with the devotional prayer, kind of like the rosary. You had the Bridgetine Rosary. Maybe you've heard about that, St. Bridget. And a whole bunch of others. But what about the other? The original, the Dominican Rosary. Well, our Lord, Our Lady, and St. Dominic himself began to appear to a Dominican named Father Alan de la Roche. Now, Dominicans are academic. They can write a whole book on the word the. They're incredible, right? Distinctions, distinctions, distinctions. That's what Dominicans do. God bless them, right? Sometimes it's annoying, but they, they usually mean well. So he was all into his books, and he was receiving visions, telling him to revive the rosary. But he was stuck in his books until on one occasion, Jesus appeared to him and told him this, rebuked him and said this to him to this Dominican. The world is filled with ravenous wolves and you unfaithful dog know not how to bark. Oh man, that's rough. Why is he calling him an unfaithful dog? Seems a little harsh, right? No, because he's a Dominicanis. You're a dog of God and you're not barking. You're stuck in your books. You need to be out there saving souls, preaching in the street and winning these people back. So he kicked it into gear 
after that rebuke from our Lord, and he began to promote the rosary everywhere across Europe. Kings joined the confraternity of the rosary. Really, it spread everywhere, thanks to this faithful, zealous priest. Who didn't like that? Satan. So what would Satan do? Remember who Satan is. He's, he's the ape of God. He mimics. He mocks. He tries to, to, to do something similar. He can't create of his own, but he tries to, to replicate in an evil way what God is doing. God renewed the rosary across Europe through a priest. Who did Satan inspire to attack the rosary? A priest. Do you know what his name was? Father Martin Luther, the founder of Protestantism. Really? That man hated the rosary. There's actually still a book in existence that was owned by Father Martin Luther. He was a Catholic priest. And it's in the library holdings at the University of Jena in Germany. It's his. All the handwriting has been verified in the margins. A rosary confraternity handbook. He hated the rosary. Why? Because it was a work. A stupid work. And he said it's prayed for no one to gain an indulgence. Eh. Four souls in purgatory. Eh. He hated it. He slammed it. And he got so many people to follow him in his ideas. A Catholic priest. Satan inspired that man to go after it. And the fruit of that, we're still reaping it today. When you meet other Christians who think that this is nonsense, who think that this is silly, and yet they don't realize that this is the Bible on a set of beads. That's what this is. Almost every single prayer in this comes out of the sacred scriptures. It's the inspired word of God. That's, that's how it is. But this guy so jacked up people's thinking that they don't, they don't pray it today. Horrible what this man did. What would God's response be to that? Huh. God's response would be to put this in the hands of priests of newly founded orders, the Jesuits back when they were awesome, you know, don't even get me started, you know. And they went to the ends of the earth with the rosary. After that fallen priest started a reformation, it wasn't a reformation, it was a deformation, it was a revolution of, of pride and arrogance, God put this into the hands of people like St. Francis Xavier and all kinds of Dominicans and all kinds of other mendicant orders who went to the Far East, to India and to South America. And when they traveled across the high seas in their rickety little boats, did they carry huge liturgical tomes in Latin to read to the natives? No. What did they all carry with them? Usually around their head, many of them wore it. Today, we, it's a gang sign or something, but back then, that's not what it meant when they wore it around their head or around their waist. The rosary, all of them. And they taught the natives Catholicism 101, the creed, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the sacred mysteries. And that was the gateway to introduce them into the sacraments, into the, all the wonders and glories of Catholicism. And many of them were slaughtered and killed for their promotion of this. And you know where most of them, almost all of them, carried this weapon? On their left side. Why? Because see, this was born in a time of chivalry, of knights and swords. Most people are right-handed. Not everybody, but most. When you unsheathe your weapon, you unsheathe it from your left side. That's why if you look at almost every religious who has a habit, when they have the rosary, it's on the left, not on the right. That's why. There ain't Father Calloway making this up. This goes way back. This is the importance of this and shows the power of this. 
God would do so many things with, with the promoting of the rosary after that priest tried to get people to turn away from it. In the United States, for example, this one will blow your mind. Maybe you know about this one. Where am I right now? Wichita? So it's a little ways away from here. In New Mexico, which wasn't New Mexico back then in the 17th century. It was, you know, territory that uh, missionaries were about to discover. Well, in between 1620 and 1623, before any missionaries had come up from Mexico, because they'd already gone to South and Central America, they hadn't come up yet to that part of what is now the United States. There was a tribe of Indians, Humano Indians. They're not even in existence today. They were a smaller tribe, not like the bigger ones. They had been visited by a woman in blue who taught them Catholicism, told them about the sacraments, and said that there would be missionaries coming who would give them the sacraments and teach them everything in a deeper way of what she was saying. And the mysterious woman in blue gave to this tribe of Indians rosaries, right? So in 1628, all documented, all missionaries back then kept phenomenal journals, and they would send them back to Europe, usually to Spain. Most of the missionaries were from Spain, some Portuguese. They, phenomenal journals, because it wasn't just a church endeavor, it was for the king and queen of Spain, right? So they kept a phenomenal journals. So they were sending these journals back, and they were like, we don't know what to think. We have come upon a tribe. No missionaries have been here before us, and they already know the faith. They already have rosaries, and they've told us that it was a woman in blue. What are we to make of this? They thought initially, maybe like you are, that it was the Virgin Mary. Seems kind of clear, right? A woman in blue, but it wasn't. Because they said, no, we know who the Virgin Mary is. The woman told us who she is, but the woman never identified herself. So as these correspondents were going back and forth, it became known that there was a famous nun in Spain who was a mystic who was writing a book on the life of the Virgin Mary called The Mystical City of God and also had the gift of bilocation. Do you know what that is? Where you can be in one of two places at the same time? I wish I had that. I'd be giving this talk and surfing in Tahiti right now. I'd be sweet, you know? I don't think Padre Pio would have done it that way, but I would. So God created waves. So anyway, so she's bilocating to a new land, evangelizing these people, and her nuns made rosaries. She had excess piles in the convent. She was like, eh, I'll take them. She gave them to this tribe. All this is documented. If you go to the town of Isleta, New Mexico today, to the church, you will see all of this on tablets in the center, like Stations of the Cross, so to speak, talking about this. This is incredible. But what I'm about to tell you is even more incredible. You've all heard about Guadalupe, right? You know, it's a miraculous image. It's, the covers don't even, the colors don't even touch the, the cactus fibers are like hovering above it. It's, it's got a heartbeat. It's, it's incredible. That image is, as Scott Hahn says, our lady took a selfie and left it in Mexico City. You know, that's what it is, basically. In 1754, in Colombia, South America, already had been evangelized by the missionaries. There was a small little place uh, where a woman and her daughter on one occasion were away from the village gathering things to bring back to them, like wood and things, and a storm broke out. They sought, sought refuge in the side of a cliff because it was raining and thunder and everything. And while they were there, they saw a beautiful woman and a little boy. 
They knew who it was because they'd already been evangelized. Now, the little girl had serious health issues. She couldn't speak. She couldn't hear. She had a lot of health problems. They knew who it was. They went back to the village, and the mother wanted to tell the whole village, but she thought, they're going to think I'm crazy. The little girl couldn't tell anybody because she couldn't speak. They would go there frequently to pray, but they never saw the, the vision again. Not long after that, the little girl, because of her health issues, she died, dead, totally dead. The whole village is preparing the funeral. Everybody knew that girl was dead. The mother, in a panic, takes the dead girl in her arms and runs out of the village. And everybody thinks that the mother's just having a panic moment. She'll be back. She's just freaking out. She went to the cliffs. She gets there. She prays for the little girl. The little girl comes back to life. Now she can speak and hear and everything is perfect. They go back to the village. Nobody can believe this. Everybody knew that girl was dead. Everybody knew it. So they were like, what happened? So she said, come with us. They took them to the cliff. Everybody, including the priests who were about to do the funeral. They get there. And when they get there, they see a huge painting. That's what they think it is on the cliffs that wasn't there before. So the people were like, what is this? How did this get here? Did you paint this? I said, no, this wasn't here before. It's never been here. The priests were like, who did this? And the, everybody knew who it was. It was Our Lady holding the Christ child with St. Dominic on one side, receiving a rosary from Our Lady. See, this, this is the age when many people again began to say that this was a legend and a fairy tale and a myth. See, God will make these things cry out from the rocks if we deny it in our arrogance. And he did. On the other side was St. Francis receiving a friar's cord from the child Jesus. Blew everybody away. Everybody thought it was a painting. People being people. You know what they started to do? I would have done the same thing, man. I'm weird. They started to chip at it, man. Like take a little piece home, you know? Crazy. But it didn't go anywhere. Oh, it got a little bit deeper, but it, it, it was still there. So people tried to smear it. It didn't smear do you know what happened? People came in and bored into the cliff with a drill three feet deep, pulled out the core sample. Do you know what they discovered? There's no paint. There's no pigment. It's not a painting. It's the rock. And you know, it's life-size. It's not like, you know, people come up to me today with a little picture and they're like, Father, do you see it? I'm like, dude, it's a bug that flew in front of your camera, right? I see that all the time. It cracks me up. Maybe it's a gift for you. I don't know. But to me, it's a bug, right? I see it happens so much. It's like comical almost sometimes. I don't want to take away your joy if you have one of these, but I'm saying, you know, I'm like, dude. So anyway, this thing's life-size. It's as big as I am right now. Total brilliance of colors. It's called Our Lady of Las Lajas, L-A-J-A-S. Do a Google on it. It'll blow your mind, life size. Nowhere would it ever be possible for such an image in all of its brilliance and colors to be the rock at least three feet deep. It's now been studied by geologists. Zero explanation, zero. It's a minor basilica fully approved by the church. John Paul II talked about it during his pontificate and almost nobody knows about it. Probably because most people are scared to go to Columbia, you know, but you know what I mean? I wanna go, I wanna go to see this. It's got a, a basilica built over it now that looks like something out of Lord of the Rings. It's over this huge cavern that's just, look it up on Google, Our Lady of Las Lajas. It defies all scientific explanation. Why? Because people started to not believe in the rosary again. 
And so God put the image into a rock. Satan didn't like that. Remember, that was 1754. You know what Satan was going to do? He was going to go back to where the rosary had been given to the world, France, and try and mess things up again. And he did. He inspired, Satan inspired in the hearts of the leaders of France, a revolution. You know, it always kills me when people celebrate the French Revolution. Are you ignorant of history? What they did to the Catholic Church, how they took our nuns to the guillotine and slaughtered priests. You celebrate the French Revolution, what they did. Today, we still reap the fruit of this. It's horrible what happened. Do you know what they did? The leaders of the French Revolution went into the Cathedral of Notre Dame, the one that just burned earlier this year, remember? They brought in a prostitute into Our Lady's church. Why? To mock the woman of God, to mock Our Lady. They had the prostitute lie half naked on the altar in the Cathedral of Notre Dame, and guess what they shouted out to her? Not making this up, read it. Hail, goddess, full of reason. Doesn't that sound familiar? Hail Mary, full of grace. See, these men, inspired by the spirit of Satan, brought a prostitute into Our Lady's Cathedral and said to her, Hail, goddess, full of reason. They did, mocking this. What was God's response? Remember, this is France, where the rosary was given to us. Satan wanted to make a mess of things in France. Well, God had another plan. He waited a little while, and he sent Our Lady to France to a little girl named Bernadette Subiru with the rosary in her hand, Our Lady, and she even prayed parts of it, the rosary, the parts she can pray. She can't pray you know, for forgiveness of sins in the Our Father like we do, because she's not a sinner, Our Lady. But she prayed the parts that she could, and she encouraged the rosary big time, big time. And then a rosary revolution began. If Satan marched people into the Cathedral of Notre Dame to mock Our Lady, what would God do? God would raise up a former satanic priest to become the greatest promoter of the rosary of the 19th and 20th century, Bartolo Longo. You ever hear of this dude? Mm-hmm. He was from Naples, born into a Catholic family, went off to college and abandoned the faith, started following the occult, and got so involved in it that he became an ordained satanic priest. I'm not saying that for effect. Read his works. He was an ordained satanic priest. Those are his words. He was lost. He was depressed, suffering anxiety. He was even thinking about suicide. That's what the occult does to you, always. It deceives you with the illusion of power, and then you just want to die. Well, he humbled himself after a period of time and went to a Catholic priest, a dog of God, right? A Dominican. And that priest told him about the rosary and said, Bartolo, this is your way out of the occult. This will ground you in the sacred mysteries and will be an anchor, a chain for you. And he believed it. And he abandoned the occult. And he restored, he built the, the old destroyed city of Pompeii. Remember Vesuvius, like third, fourth century? And then he built the world's most famous shrine to the rosary, Our Lady of the Rosary of Pompeii. If you've ever prayed the 54-day rosary novena, it's because of that dude that it circulated all throughout the world because of a miracle associated with a little girl, Fortuna Agrelli, in that particular town at that time. A satanic priest converted, did all this. Now that church in, in Pompeii is its own diocese. That's how important it is. It has a bishop who lives right there at the church. That's how important it is. And in 1980, 
a former satanic priest was beatified. Blessed Bartolo Longo. So if you've got children that are in the occult or any weirdness, pray to that dude. He knows. He has power. Because of this. Because of this. And then we had a pope who wrote 11 encyclicals on the rosary at that same time. Do you know who that was? Leo the 13th. Holy moly. That dude was cranking out encyclicals on the rosary almost every year during his pontificate. And when he wasn't writing an encyclical, he was writing an apostolic letter. He was talking about the rosary. He was promoting the rosary everywhere that he went. Everywhere. He's the one who even had that vision where he got the St. Michael prayer. And he even composed a prayer to St. Joseph to put at the end of the rosary. But almost nobody knows about it. Powerful dude. After his pontificate, what happened? Heaven wasn't done. Mm -mm. Heaven came hard and strong. Fatima. Fatima. Actually, what's the real name of Fatima? Our Lady of the Rosary. That's how she identified herself. She actually never said, I'm Our Lady of Fatima. That's what we call it, and rightly so. But she, when asked her name, she said, I am the Lady of the Rosary. And she hammered the rosary held the rosary, told them to pray it every day, to change the world, to stop the war. And they did. And they did. And then Our Lady of Bano, Our Lady of Burang in Belgium, approved apparitions. Our Lady came with the rosary, promoting the rosary. And then you had other ones throughout the 20th century, approved ones. I won't tell you anything that's not approved. Even ones that are under investigation, I won't even mention them, just the approved ones. Our Lady of Akita in Japan, read that someday. We're living that stuff right now in the church. Cardinals against cardinals, bishops against bishops, priests against priests. And unless you repent, the only thing you're going to have left is the Eucharist and the rosary. Wow. And that's approved. Our Lady of Cabejo in Rwanda, where she talked about the regular rosary, but also the rosary of the seven sorrows. Kind of another forgotten version of the rosary. Our Lady in Coapa, Nicaragua, approved by the local bishop, where Our Lady gave a whole history in the sky to the visionary. Whoa! And guess what? It matches perfectly with the tradition that it was given to St. Dominic. Our Lady of the Rosary in, uh, in uh, uh, Argentina right now, San Nicolas, Argentina. Still going on. The visionary is still alive. The first part of the message has been approved by the local bishop. But almost nobody knows about it. My friends, we need to take this stuff seriously. If you're not praying the rosary, what are you doing? What are you doing? Our Lady has told us this so many times to do this. And on some level, when we don't do it, she cries. Just like she cried at La Salette. Because we don't listen. And we think we know a better way. Oh no, we'll form our committees and we'll, we'll, we'll redo the diocese with our strategic planning programs. Good luck. Good luck. Unless you bring in devotions, adoration, and piety, you ain't going to do jack for your diocese or renew parishes or families. You're going to waste a ton of time and money and resources and bore people to death at these lame meetings that do nothing. What we need is a revolution of holiness. What we need is from people from the top down to be on their knees with this in their hand. Did not, did we, how did we miss this in the 20th century with people like Padre Pio? who prayed so many rosaries a day, it was like, it's all, like all he did, constantly praying the rosary, and so many others. 
And in one of my books, Champions of the Rosary, I talk about some of these major players in the 20th century that promoted the rosary. I mean, big time players. Did you know that St. Maximian Colby said that this is his sword? He said that, right? He used the miraculous metal as like a, a bug repellent, like, you know, a, a bullet. That's, he did. You know, he said that. But he also said that this is a sword for all of his knights of the Immaculata. And we need to be using it. What about Frank Duff, the founder of the Legion of Mary? See, it's funny to me that today people are uncomfortable with this military language. I'm like, why are you uncomfortable with this? This is who we are. We are the church militant. We are marching towards a victorious campaign. We don't have to be shy about this. What, what do we have to shy away from, from using this language? This is why men founded the Militia Immaculata, the Blue Army, the Legion of Mary. But today we're just group huggers singing kumbaya to one another. It's so lame because we don't think we have power and we shy away from attacking the enemy. See, this is what makes saints like Saint, you know, Maximian and Colby say, we're not just on the defense here, guys. We're going offense. We're going to attack you. We're going to conquer you for the Immaculata. That's what Christianity is. We're not running away. We're going after. We're going to go seek souls for Our Lady and for the kingdom. There's so many people who have talked about this in the 20th century, and somehow we, we, we've missed it. We've missed it. So I want to encourage you, every single one of you. I may never see you again. I beg you, as your brother and as a priest, pray this. Can you not give God 20 minutes of your day? 20 minutes. Don't raise your hand because you'll embarrass yourself, but <laughs> probably half to three-fourths of you waste more time on social media every day, and a lot more time, like hours. You know, I, I, I can fall into that trap. I can go to watch a simple, I need some downtime, you know, de-stress. I want to watch a surfing video. I go on, all of a sudden there's like, ooh, a cat wrestling a turtle. What's that? You know, two hours later, you know, I've seen every cat wrestling a turtle on the planet, you know. Okay, we all need to de-stress, de whatever. But 20 minutes, 20 minutes, guys. You walk your dog probably for longer than 20 minutes. You may have to drive to work, you know, for longer than 20 minutes. You can do this anywhere, everywhere. It's portable prayer. You don't necessarily have to be in church to do it, although that's the prime location. But you can do it anywhere, everywhere. John Paul II, during his pontificate, said, don't be afraid to pray the rosary in public. Do you know how powerful that is? You could be a witness. You don't have to parade it around. You don't have to be at Denny's and be like, we're going to pray the rosary. No. Okay. That would be weird. But... Don't be afraid if you're walking your dog with a leash in one hand and a rosary in the other. You could change somebody's life. It's a sacramental. It's meant to lead people to the sacraments. I'm inspired sometimes when I see, you know, somebody walking down the street with a rosary in their hand. I'm like, wow, that takes courage to do something like that. Why don't we do that? If you're waiting for a doctor's appointment, a dentist's appointment, you don't have to be right announcing it. You can have a little rosary ring. You can have a little one decade one that you just keep going around until you finish it. Whatever. You can have it tucked into your hoodie pocket so nobody knows. It doesn't matter. But do it. You will not regret it. Are you going to get distracted? Totally. Are you kidding me? I've never prayed a perfect rosary, and I never will. Neither will you. St. Louis de Montfort talked about that. All the saints talk about that. You're going to get distracted. You're going to think about, ooh, what's that smell? Did I respond to that email? You're going to get so, what's that scratch? You're going to, oh, you're going to be so distracted, it's crazy. 
I probably make it through four Hail Marys and I'm already off in la la land, right? But the key is to bring your mind back to the mystery. God knows you're not an angel with angelic precision. You pinpoint on one thing and you focus 20 minutes. Nothing. No, you're going to get distracted. But see, we're children to God. And, uh, you know, it, what, what do little children give to their parents? Butterfly kisses. You know, they're a flurry of activity, little kids. And they're pecking their mom and dad on the cheek. And parents will take all those little butterfly kisses they can get. Same thing with us and God. He knows our minds wander. Bring it back. Spend 20 minutes with your father, with our lady. You will be blessed. It is the antidote to get the poison out of your soul. Especially so many vices like lust. Trust me, I know. I know. When you put so much filth into your mind over a period of time, it gets heavily ingrained. It's like a groove in your soul. To remove it, you need to fill in that groove and plant new ones. That's what this does. You put holy images into your mind, sacred images into your mind. It will transform you. It will heal you. It will restore your marriage. I guarantee you that if you're married and you get into your, you know, fights, which is normal, right? Happens. Your little arguments. At the end of the day, if you pray this with your spouse, after you pray it, even though it might be hard and you might be like, you might be all upset going into it. At the end of it, you're going to turn to your beloved and say, honey, what were we arguing about? I'm sorry. Or even if you were wronged by your spouse, honey, I love you. This will transform you. Imagine if children saw their parents, but especially their dad, on his knees in the home praying this. Powerful, my friends. Those are the memories, the images that can last forever. Imagine if a dad did this. Like my dad, my biological father, wasn't a Catholic, but he did something for me before he died. You know what he did? He gave me his rifle. I still have it. I ain't getting rid of that. That was my dad's. I went hunting with my dad with that rifle. It's mine now. Imagine if dad said to their, their boys especially, son, this is my rosary. I give it to you. This is the rosary I had when I met your mother. Or if you have multiple children, which would be good, have multiple rosaries. Give them to your boys. This is the one when I, when I met your mother. This is the one when I was in college. This is the one 10-year anniversary. You know, this is the one. It's a weapon. That little boy's not going to chuck that rosary. He's going to maybe mount it on his bedpost or somewhere important. He might even carry it in his pocket because his dad gave him that weapon, handing it on. Might have to repair it. They break, but still. See, we need to recover these kind of things. We need to carry on this. This is what heaven is crying out to us to do and to continue. Are you willing to do it? I hope you are. We need more people doing this. Our Lady wants you to do this. The popes want you to do this. The saints in heaven are waiting, watching you to follow in their footsteps and to do this on a daily basis. 20 minutes. 20 minutes a day. I'm going to pray for you that you do it. I know it's not easy, but it's worth it. I sometimes struggle myself. Don't wait till the end of the day, by the way. I'll give you a little hint to do it either. Because you'll fall asleep after the first decade, okay? It happens. Fulton Sheen said he would, his, his guardian angel would finish it for him. But I think my guardian angel is probably like, again? Dude, sooner or later, you got to pray one of these things through, you know. Try it. And watch what happens in your life and your family's life and for the betterment of society. 
Popes have said so many times that this changes societies. Our Lady said it has the power to stop wars and change history. Let it change your history because it will. God bless you, my friends. Thank you so much.